0: like your life is gonna last a long time and if I was to talk to my 26 year old self I would tell that kid that you don't have time and and you really you don't know when it's gonna end and so Get out there and do the things you want to do get out there and get after them now Don't wait another second Take advantage of it Get out there and live and Strive to be better Because the life you've got Which I just said was a gift It is a gift So live it Yeah, I I always wanted to be a commando ever since I was a little kid and I heard that the SEALs were really tough and that the training was really tough and then, you know, once you get in, everyone makes a big deal out of BUDS that's, but it's, it's, in the SEAL teams it's no big deal. Everyone goes through it, you get cold, you get wet, whatever, you do a bunch of push-ups and pull-ups and dips. Anyone that gets to the SEAL teams and does deployments overseas and has a real career, they're not talking about BUDS training. (laughs) It It just doesn't mean anything. I had a guy that was, you know, a NCAA water polo team captain champion, and he quit. And I had a guy that was an Olympic alternate gymnast, and he quit. Just because someone's a good physical, athlete it doesn't mean that they're a good seal because being a good seal is a lot more than just being a good athlete being a good athlete is like the baseline and it's everything that you've learned to do after that a a good leader a guy that's tactically sound a guy that makes good decisions a guy that's good under pressure a guy that doesn't ever give up on trying to accomplish a mission those are the things that make a good seal So you're always learning and growing, and, and I was always learning until the day I retired. Because it's not a, boom, this happened and everything changed. It's, it's a constant addition of skill set and repetition of situations where you become competent at your job. The fear of getting shot or killed is not on your mind when you're in the moment. You know, it'll build up when you're waiting to go out. You know, there's times you're waiting to go out and you're like, thinking to yourself, okay. There's a lot of bad things going on out there and some of them happen to me. But I think at some point you you realize that there's nothing you can do about that. I mean other than just quit and and just resign yourself to a life of cowardice. But if you opt to not do that and you step up and say, "Okay, I'm ready." And if I die, I die. And once you overcome that, then nothing else to be afraid of there's no one that wishes for peace more than people that have been to war because when the war drums sound it's my friends that are going to fight that's that's who's going to fight it's my friends that are going to to put their lives on the line so when the when the war drum sound the people that have been to war are the ones that actually say let's think about this first because like I said before, and like everyone says all the time, and they say it like it's no big deal, but war is hell. When you take an 18-year-old kid, and you're going to go put him in a situation where he's going to have to kill people and possibly get wounded or possibly get killed himself. That's a traumatic experience. And so before you do that, you should think about why you're doing it. And understand if, if the people have the will to fight. And... The will to fight, as I've said many times before, the will to fight is the will to kill, and it's the will to die. And those are some pretty big wills that you need to have. Almost immediately, we're going to uh, memorial services for Army guys, Marines, that are killed. Which, you know, was a, a, a rude awakening. So, that's, that's the welcome to Ramadi. The welcome to Ramadi is, you know, you're going to go and pay your respects to some guys that were just killed, and and there's firefights in the city, so we're we're just across the river from the city. There's firefights in the city all day. There's firefights in the city all night. We're on, on the rooftop of our building. You can sit there and watch tracer fire go back and forth. We're shot at from, you know, across the river bank. There's, yeah, it, it was it was legit. It was legit combat. It was a legit bad scenario with. Of sustained combat operations. How, how do you lead your men through that when you know they're dealing with not only the funerals, which definitely take a psychological toll, but then even that just constant firefighting over there? I mean, do you have to switch up your gear and think, okay, I gotta lead stronger or maybe a little easier in certain scenarios? Are you changing? Yes, a you do have to modulate your, your leadership. And you have to do that if you're in the business world. You have to do that if you're leading any kind of team. You've gotta modulate and you gotta recognize when your guys need to be pushed and when your guys need to be not pushed and given a rest so you're constantly doing that regardless of what kind of team you're leading and in combat like you know i say all the time it's amplified because if you push your guys too hard in combat they're going to break you know whereas in business oh maybe they make errors on something or maybe they do snap i mean it does happen in the business world where people like can't take it anymore but in combat it'll happen very quickly and and so you know, you do, you're constantly modulating and, and taking measure of where your guys are at. And you know, sometimes I didn't do a great job of that. Sometimes I went a little far and said, ooh, wow, I just saw the look on that guy's face. He, he's, he needs a rest. And I should have recognized that earlier. And you know, you make mistakes, no doubt. What I had on my side was I had experience and I had paid attention to my elders when I was a kid and when I was getting trained and there was no war going on and it was the 90s and I'd hear a guy, you know, someone whose name you'll never hear, but a guy that if you're in the SEAL teams you know who that person is because they were a legit badass Vietnam war hero. You'd hear them say something, I would hear them say something and I would collect that and I would hang on to it That's what prepared me, was that experience of growing up with listening to my elders. The the SEAL team doctrine wasn't written down anywhere. It was all word of mouth and and passed down from generation to generation that way. And uh, making sure that you're not being cocky, making sure that you don't have the attitude that you talked about earlier of, you know, we're always going to be better than the enemy. We're always going to win, because you're not always going to win and especially if you think you're always gonna win, then you're not gonna prepare that the way you should. You're not gonna give everything you can to your training to making sure that you are prepared for that moment when it comes. And it might come once on a deployment, it might not come on a deployment, and it might come on a daily basis. The centuries that are trying to hold down the fort and protect would take cover from all this, all this enemy fire that was coming at them. In would come a, a big suicide vehicle-borne IED, truck-loaded truck, truck loaded bomb, and they would just drive right into the compound and detonate themselves and kill dozens of people. And they did that on multiple occasions. They did it times where they did it to multiple areas at the same time. Wow. So that's how coordinated the enemy was, They were. they knew what they were doing. Were you impressed by them? Were you ever like, I didn't expect that to happen, or did you ever have a respect for their tactics. Or I, I absolutely always had respect. I respect the enemy, absolutely. Um, and the minute you're not showing respect to the enemy and their capabilities is again, that's a lack of humility and it's gonna get you killed. You know, they you, you have to respect your enemy at all times. And whether your mission is to go out and capture, kill bad guys, or your mission is to produce something, or sell something, or manufacture something, or design something, trying to get that team to be unified behind a plan and executed efficiently, it doesn't matter what the mission is. You're still dealing with human beings. You're still dealing with people. Whether you're in the SEAL teams or whether you're in the Army or the Marine Corps, the people that are working for you are not robots. They're people. And you cannot give them orders and expect them to just execute like a robot would. If the military was like that, then military leadership would be the easiest thing in the world. You know, my guys wouldn't just do what I told them because I outrank them. And they, I kind of get that funny, look, well, let me ask you this. I'm here because your employees aren't doing what you want them to do, right? Can you just fire them? Don't they work for you? Aren't they supposed to follow you because you're in charge and you write their paycheck? But all of a sudden, they're not doing what you tell them to do. Why is that? It's the same exact reason, because they're people. And guess what? People want to own their own destiny. They want to be in charge of what's happening. They want to take ownership. They want to create the plan. That's how they want to go through life. They want to go through life being treated like a robot. They want to be treated like a human. So don't talk to me about, oh, well, it was easy for you because you had these highly trained, highly disciplined, you know, uh, Terminator robots that work for you. Not true. In fact, the opposite. I had a bunch of hard-headed, you know, the guys that you talked about earlier, I had a bunch of hard-headed, very determined, thick-skulled guys that, you know, I had to get them to do what I wanted them to do. I had to get them to want to do what I wanted them to do. I had to make them think that it was what they wanted to do. That's the goal. That's what leadership is. And the worse your plan is thought out, the less response you're going to get. And just like in business world, the less input I get from you as we create this plan, the less apt you are to execute it correctly. So when when it comes time, when you have to go execute something, I want you to plan it. I'm not going to plan it for you. I want you to plan it. Now I'm going to come and check out your plan and we'll collaborate to make sure it's the best plan because maybe I have more experience than you or maybe I have some strategic vision that you don't have. But I want you to plan it. That way you own it. And if you own it, when you go to execute it, you're going to put that much more effort into it. That's hard to quantify, but that's real. That is real. If you come up with a plan, you're going to put more effort and more pride in executing that plan than if I come up with a plan and I give it to you and tell you to execute it. That's just a reality. I don't, I don't, I don't care who you are, that's a reality. Ordering people to do things does not work. You actually have to lead them. And that's another buzzword out there is this is accountability. You know, you gotta be accountable, you gotta be, you gotta hold your people accountable. And and to me, accountability is a tool. It's a it's a it's a tool of leadership, but it's not the primary tool of leadership it's actually a crutch it's actually a tool to use when you don't pull off leadership correctly so what you want to do I you know I, I I talk about this all the time I didn't hold my guys accountable I didn't you know walk down the line and inspect what they were doing and no I didn't have to hold them accountable they wanted to do the right thing. They wanted to do what was aligned with the mission. I had to hold them back, never mind make them do it, and that's what leadership is. It's not about accountability, it's about leading and getting them to lead themselves and getting them to take ownership of things. That's what. That's, that's when you know you've succeeded as a leader when you're just about out of a job. When you're sitting back and you don't have to do anything because your frontline troops and your subordinate leadership is making things happen with almost no effort from you. And the only time you have to step in is when something's going sideways or you see something getting off track, you got to step back in there. But the ideal is that you can sit back, observe, start looking at what the other strategy is, what what to do next, other problems, other parts of the world, but you can just let your people do what they want to do because they want to do it. Not because you have to breathe down their shoulder and hold them accountable, not the way to lead. And to that same young man that wants to be a CEO, you know, the guys that want to be like Jocko one day. You know, what do you tell that that twenty-year-old that sees this thing and says, "I want to go do that"? Well, first of all, don't try and be like me. Be better than me. Crush me. Make me look like a baby. That's what you. That's what you do. And and don't don't talk about it. Don't mull it over. Don't plan for it. Just get after it to get after it make it happen use your force of will to make it happen as a human being the strongest thing you've got is your force of will so take that force of will and make that happen